This week's parsha is Parsha's Toldos. In the parsha, it says in Parak Chavches Pasuk Hey, Vayishlach Yitzchak es Yaakov. Yitzchak sends off Yaakov, Vayelach Padena Aram, and he goes to Padana Aram. Elavon ben Besuel Harami. Where is Yaakov Inu being sent to? Where is he going? So the Pasuk is very, very clear. He's being sent to Lavan, a character that we met already in previous parsha, Ben Besuel, the son of Besuel, who also we're familiar with, Harami, Achi Rivka, who was Lavan? Lavan was the brother of Rivka, Aim Yaakov Esav. And if that wasn't clear enough, we're also told that Rivka, that Rivka was the mother of Yaakov and Esav. So this Pasuk is like, uh, it's like introducing us to the entire family, not only of Lavan, who we know about, and Besuel, but even that Rivka was the mother of Yaakov and Esav, that was the first part of the parsha. We learned that in the first Aliyah of this parsha. we already know that Rivka was uh, was pregnant with with baby with a baby, and then it was turned out it was twins. And Yaakov and Esav, we know this whole story, and yet the Torah, for some reason, is spending a lot of ink, which we know it never does, and never wastes even a, a drop of kutzah shal yud of ink on anything. And all of a sudden, we're given all of these details about the exact familial status of everyone that we know about. There's no one new in this Pasuk. All it had to say was that Yitzchak sent Yaakov to, to his uncle Lavan. That's all. We, we would get the rest of this. So we have. We know exactly that Lavan is the son of Besuel. He was an Arami. And that he was the sister of Rivka, who was the mother of Yaakov and Esav. It's such, a, it's such an extraneous Pasuk, seemingly. And of course it's not. So what's the Pshat in this Pasuk? This question is not my question. This question, of course, is Rashi's question. Rashi says a very, very important yisaid, and that is, Rashi says, I don't know what this is coming to teach us. Rashi is very honest. He's not trying to come up with big taira, with any chidushim, if he doesn't understand the Pshuto Shal Mikra, which is the exact mission statement of Rashi, that he wants to get to the, the exact simple, plain text meaning of every Pasuk. And of course, sometimes he brings Medrashim, but the simple Taich of the Pasuk, he says, it eludes me. I don't know why the Torah would say about Rivka that she's the mother of Yaakov and Esav. We know that. First of all, it's just a very, very important thing that we learn from Rashi, and that is that you don't always have to know something. Very often, it's important to say, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with anyone ever saying, I don't know. It's much better to be transparently honest. And if somebody asks you a question, just say, that's a good question. I'll get back to you on that. Or, I don't know that. You stumped me. There's nothing wrong with that. And we see from Rashi, Rashi is writing a pirish. He could have just easily either, if he didn't really know the pshad, if it was me, I would just like leave out. It's not like Rashi is a running commentary in every single word in Chumash. Rashi, there are many psukim that Rashi leaves out. So if you don't know the pshad, don't say it. Rashi is teaching us a very important lesson in life. And that is that it's important for a person to be honest. This is in fact a Gemara the Gemara in Brachas and on Daf Dalanam and Aleph says, A person should train his tongue to say, I don't know. And that's because a person is anivastic, a person is modest and humble. It's, it's very understandable if you say, I don't know. Somebody asks you a shaila and alacha. Don't make it up because you don't want to look like you, you don't know something. Say, I don't know, that's a good question. Let's look it up together. Or I have to think about it a little bit if somebody asks you a philosophical question or let's say you're trying to makarib somebody 
and the person has a really good burning question and, you know, it's like a little bit above our pray grade. We don't know the answer to such a question. Just say, I don't know. No one's going to not become from because you were honest. But maybe they would not become from because you were deceptively trying to sell them something that you yourself clearly don't know and and that's not right. So Rashi's teaching us a very important, you said before, if there's nothing else that we could take from this Rashi, it's that it's important for us to sometimes say, I don't know. People will respect you a lot more when you're honest and you're, you say something, I don't know, than if I was giving a, a job interview to somebody, a potential employee, and I ask one of these really, you know, zinger questions, and like, instead of like trying to do some tumble salts and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, figure out the most brilliant answer, the person in front of me just says, I don't know. It's a great question. I don't know. That to me would be more of a reason to give the guy the job than if he tries to be too smart and, uh, and too, too, too lumdish when it's not necessary. It's very interesting also that there is a Gemara in Brachas on the Avchafeyam at Beis where Rashi on that Gemara, without getting into what the Gemara itself is talking about, but Rashi there says, as he does many times throughout Shas, a similar type of admission that he doesn't know something. Rashi there says, I don't know where what that Amira was talking about. I don't know where he was referencing. I, I don't know. And the Gilean Hashas, Rabbi Kivager's brilliant marginal notes that are found in all of our Hashasin, he marshals 46 other places on the side of that Gemara Brachas. Check it out. And on the bottom, there's a whole list of 46 Maramakaimis that Rabbi Kivager himself went and wrote down every place in Shas that he found that Rashi did a similar move of saying, I don't know. What's really interesting is that Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky in his personal Shas adds on to the Rabbi Kivager's 46 many, many others. And I believe I heard once that they asked Rabbi Chaim are you saying that you know Shas better than Rabbi Kivager, that Rabbi Kivager missed things in Rashi's Pirish on Shas that, that you didn't? So he says, Chas v'shalom. He says, perhaps what Rabbi Kivager did was, he didn't like sit down and write all of them at once, but whenever he like was learning through Shas and he came to a Rashi like this in Gittin, he would pull out his brachas and write on the, on the bottom of brachas that uh, I found the, this in Gittin. And then sometimes, perhaps he wasn't by his brachas gemara to have access to it when he was learning a, a sugya and he found that Rashi. He wasn't trying to make a, a total list of every place that Rashi says layadati, but he was just, uh, as he was going along through shas, and he chazir shas, you know, I'm sure thousands of times, but he would just make, but sometimes he wasn't able to get to his Gemara, or maybe it was a time that he wasn't able to write it, and, and so he left it out. But it wasn't that he didn't know it, he just didn't write it. In any event, but this is something that is a very big aside that we take from Rashi. Rashi was trying to say to us that I don't know what it is, and we learn from there on Nevis that you're supposed to say I don't know when you don't know something. Don't lie. And don't try to like say make believe like you know everything because that never works out for us. Additionally, Rashi is obviously trying to say that there is a vart here. There is something to learn out here. I just don't know exactly what the right mahalach is. Meaning he was sort of bookmarking it and saying this is something that's sarachim. We have to understand the pasuk. I don't have a great shot to say but there is a grape shot to say, or maybe there are many grape shots. I mean, of course, Rashi could have come up with many pshatim on his own, but he just didn't feel that any of those pshatim maybe would do the pshuta shalmikra justice, so he left it out. But he was basically telling us that X marks the spot. There is something here. There's, there's a buried treasure 
that if you dig and you try to think about this, there's, there's what to be said on this, on this pasuk. I just don't really want to offer a suggestion at this point in time. But of course, if Rashi says, I don't know the pshat, I don't know what the pasuk is telling us. So Jews are very, very uh, creative people. And that's like red meat, and a lot of the Mepharshim jump into the fray, and they offer a pshat. What does the, the Pasuk actually mean? When the Pasuk is itemizing everything about Besuel, who was the father of Lavan, Lavan was the sister of the brother of Rivka, the mother of Yaakov and Esav, it's so strange that the Torah would go and tell us this whole yichus. So of course the commentators come and they give a lot of great pshatim, as you would expect. And the Ramban, uh, first and foremost, the Ramban says a pshat, and his pshat is that even though that Rivka and Yitzchak were the parents of Yaakov and Esav, and theoretically Yitzchak could have also told Esav to go to the house of Lavan to get from his daughters to carry on the legacy of Avraham Avinu, of Yitzchak, of, uh, uh, you know, and, and of the future diaries from, from Yaakov. But the fact that he didn't, the fact that he only went to Yaakov Avinu and said, you go down to Padana Ram and you marry the, one of the daughters of Lavan, it shows, and it's meyed kemeyedim, it testifies like a hundred witnesses that Yaakov, and not Esav, was the bearer of the legacy of Avraham Avinu and the Avis HaKadoshim and Klai Yisrael. So the Pasuk is very clearly saying that Rivka was the mother of Yaakov and Esav, two twins, and theoretically could have uh, told Esav also to go down to Padah, but he didn't. The fact that he went and he specifically told Yaakov Avinu to go and marry this specific girl from this specific family shows that Yitzchak was hereby declaring that Yaakov, you are the future of Kal Yisrael. Esav is not and you are. That's what the Ramban suggests. And there are many Mepharshim. If you look up in some of the Likud Svarim uh, that we have in the base Medrash about what the Pshat of this Pasuk is, you will find literally a dozen Pshatim, and that's just the ones that are there. I'm sure you could find maybe over a hundred if you really look carefully to try to find out what the Pshat of is. Now, I would never personally dare to claim that I understand something better than Rashi. That's completely laughable. But... Obviously, other Mepharshim didn't have such a problem, at least Bederach Lulei de Mistafina. You know, if I wasn't so scared, I would say it. They said it, so I would like to offer my own pshat as, as uh, because like I said, Rashi wasn't saying, you're not allowed to come up with a pshat. I think Rashi was actually inviting us all to think a little bit and say, I don't know exactly what it's talking about, but something is here, and go for it. May the best man win. Try to figure out a good pshat. So here's what I came up with, and you should think about it yourselves, and if you come up with, a, with an answer to this riddle, then tell me. Just make sure it's not better than mine. Okay. So, Yaakov Avinu we hear at the beginning of this week's parsha was an ishtam. That's a hard word to translate, ishtam. We know the word tam from the Haggadah. There it doesn't have such a great connotation. There it's like the simple son. We don't at all, nobody thinks that Yaakovina was anything simple. There was nothing simple about Yaakovina. Yaakovina was the Bechir Sheba Aves. Yaakovina was not the, uh, you know, one of these simple sons. That we, uh, that we think about when we, but the word tam here means, doesn't mean simple, it means wholesome. He was pure, he was, he was just perfectly genuine. Rashi says on the word ishtam that, Misha Enei Kharif Leramais Karitam. 
the definition of an ishtam is somebody that's not so sticky. He's not that sharp that he knows how to be marama other people. He doesn't know how to trick people, connive people, outmaneuver people. That wasn't Yaakov. Yaakov was straight, pure, honest, wholesome. He wasn't complicated in the sense that he's going to always come up with a, you know, with a, with a dre and with a, with a chap and with a, you know, try to be outsmart other people. He was just straight. He was a straight shooter. What he said, he meant. What he meant, he said. And, and, and that's it. There was no two talk, double talk, talking out of both sides of his mouth. That was Esav. Esav was, a, was, was somebody that was an Ishayid. Ish, he was Marama people with his mouth. That we know, Lavan was a Ramai. Yaakov was surrounded by a lot of Ramayim, but he himself remained pure and wholesome and uncluttered and straight and clean and honest. That was who Yaakov is. If you're not able to be Marama somebody, if you're not able physically, I just can't be a Ramai. I can't fool people. I have to be honest with myself. I have to be honest with others. I have to live with myself. I can't, I have a conscience. That's a, that's an Ishtam. That's what Yaakovina was. That's his Mahus. Now, if the Torah is telling us that he was an Ishtam, that means that that defined him. He was an Ishtam. He was a pure person. He was not able to be Marama others. But yet we find that when he went to the base Lavan, if you fast forward the story, in Parachaf Tes, Pasag Yud Beis, he told his wives, Rachel and Leah, Ki achi aviyahu, I am a, a brother of your father. I'm a brother of your father, he said. Ki achi aviyahu. He told Rachel that I am your father's brother. What does that mean? Yaakov Avinu was not Lavan's brother. So Rashi there says that what he meant was, I'm his brother, meaning I'm his equal. I'm his counterpart in Ramos, in trickery. I could, I could play with him. I, I, I mean, I could, we're on the same wavelength. I know him. I understand. I get him. And he thinks he'll be able to fool me, but I know how to fool him. I could, I'm going to be able to handle this. When did this education of Yaakov Avinu becoming a, going from an Ishtam, which Rashi says means that he's not able, he's just in his DNA, he's not able to be Marami, he's an Ishtam. Yaakov, Titein Emes Yaakov, he was pure truth. He was honest. He wasn't somebody that was able to, to in any way be devious but now he's almost bragging to, to Rachel that I'm, I'm, if I, I'm, his, I'm his counterpart. I, I'm his equal. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm a man in the world. I can deal with him. I'm a, you know, don't, don't think that I'm a pushover or that he's going to be able to pull any wool over my eyes. I'm able to, to balance his Ramais. I'm Achivu Ramais. I'm his equal in Ramais. When? Where did Yaakov get that education? He didn't get that in Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever. Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever was teaching him all the right things to do. Where was he able? How did he, where did he get that chinuch and Ramaz from? He was sitting in the, uh, in, in the base medrash day and night. Before, after Yaakov sent him, after Yitzchak sends him, he spent 14 years in the base medrash. Where, where, where exactly was he educated to be a, a Ramai of the, uh, on equal par with with Lavan. Very strange. What I would like to suggest is that in this Pasuk that we started with this morning, this was the education that Yitzchak was giving to Yaakov. Yitzchak was saying to Yaakov, I am sending you now to the base Lavan. And he's a Ramai. Now you're not used to Ramam. You're sitting in the base Medrash day and night. You're the Yeshev Ahalem. You're the quintessential Yeshiva Bachar that's unexposed, Baruch Hashem, to the world at large. You don't understand what people really are. You think that everybody is a Ben Taira. You think everybody is a Rebbe. You think everybody is a Mashiach. You think everybody is, you know, is just pure and straight and honest and fine. But now that you're going to the base love, and I have to give you a little bit of education 
so that you're not completely blown away by the dishonesty out there and by all the ways that you could theoretically really be fooled and ripped off and connived. And here's my education. This is what I'm being mechanech you now. Until now, I gave you an education in Gittin and Bava Basra and Bava Metziah and Brachas and Shabbos. Now I'm going to give you another element of chinuch, and that is how to deal with the world at large where I'm sending you now. There are Ramayim out there. I'm sending you to the base Lavan. And when you speak to Lavan, and people like Lavan, what you have to do is make sure that whatever you're saying is so watertight that they're not going to be able to in any way figure out how to drive a wedge into something that you're saying so that they could exploit you. You have to be crystal clear. Make sure to dot every I and cross every T on a contract that you write and make sure that there's no way around it because if there is a way around it, they will find it and they will use it against you. And so Yaakov Avinu is saying, Yitzchak Avinu is saying to Yaakov Avinu, here's the way when you enter the world you have to understand how to deal with people, how to talk to people. Because you can't assume that they're going to naturally be honest with you and they're going to understand the unspoken. You have to speak out everything clearly because if you don't, you're going to suffer. So Yaakov Avinu was taught right now in this Pasuk when Yitzchak was sending him to Padan Aram. And he says, this is the way... You have to talk. The Pasuk is basically giving us a little bit of a, of, a, of a glimpse into what it was that Yitzchak was telling Yaakov at this moment in time when he was sending him to Badan Aram. When you're talking to Lavan, this is the way you have to speak. You have to say you're going to the house of Lavan. Which Lavan? Could be there are other Lavan. No, 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 Ben Besuel. Maybe there's another Lavan Ben Besuel. Harami. Okay, but maybe there are other love moves. Not Achirivka. Make sure to. I have to sp- speak this out. It's the brother of Rivka. Who's Rivka? Well, maybe there's a, not a lot of Rivka. No, no, no. Rivka, the mother of Yaakov and Esav. Now, this seems so absurd to have to speak out so much, stating the obvious. But this is Yitzchak telling Yaakov how to deal in the world, that you have to say things clearly. You have to define every single thing that you're saying when you're dealing with a Ramai, because otherwise they'll figure out a, a dray to get around it, to circumvent what you wanted. And you're going to be very surprised, because not everybody is honest. In the base Medrash, you'll find people that if they leave a pen... And you can come back 10 years later and that pen is still sitting in the same place because nobody's touching that pen. That pen is Kaidish Kadashim. It's somebody else's. I can't touch it. It's not mine. That's the way it is in the base Medrash. But when you go out in the real world or quote unquote the real world, it's a different world. There's plenty of people, even people that sometimes you would not expect to be people that are Ramayim, but the world changes people and they become Ramayim and you have to make sure to say things clearly. Make sure to define everything exact. Because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. This is what Yaakov meant when he told Rachel, Ki achi who, I am your father's brother. I got an education before I left to Padena Aram. My father taught me how to deal with a Ramai. I know, I'm prepared for him. Don't worry about me. I'm no longer the pure Ishtam anymore because I understand now that in the real world it's not the Yeshiva Halam world. It's a world that I have to be very clear and articulate every single thing because the Ramai would otherwise subvert what I want. And in fact, this is exactly what happened. When Yaakov Avinu told Lavan that I want to marry your daughter, there's one of the most famous piskamim, one of the most famous expressions 
that he says, and it's always quoted. Who do you want? Rachel, Bitcha, Haketana. I want Rachel. There's a lot of Rachel. Bitcha, your daughter. Okay, maybe there's other daughters. Haketana, your youngest daughter. No No ambiguities. No uncertainties. Clarity. Exactly spelling out Rachel Bitchak Tanink. In fact, I don't know if anyone is uh, exposed to this piskum, but like in this outside in the world, when you're, when you're, when you're trying to tell something to somebody, you know, the expression would be, tell it to him Rachel Bitchak That's an expression. Exact. You don't, don't mince words and don't, don't, don't say it exact. Tell him exactly what you're looking for. I want this color, this size, this amount, at this price. Racha bitraktana. Racha bitraktana means you have to spell out everything clearly. Don't assume that I Rachel, and then you're going to be stuck with a Rachel uh, Schwartz instead of the regular Rachel that you, uh, you know, the Rachel that you meant. Bitcha, your daughter. Uh, maybe he's going to change Leah's name to Rachel. Haktana. And Rashi says, even though. He did this. He said, Rachel bitchak tana, but that didn't help him at all. Lavan was still able, says Rashi, to Miramahim. But isn't it fascinating that the way that Yaakov Avinu tried to avoid the deception of Lavan was to clarify every single thing. And I think that really is reflected by this Pasuk that we started with today, that he's also, Yitzchak is saying also Rachel Bitchak Tana in a sense. He's saying exactly who to go to. Not that Yaakov Avinu needed a tutorial about who his uncle Lavan was, but he was trying to tell him when you're dealing with a Lavan, you have to be very clear and very straightforward and itemize exactly what you're talking about. Do not assume anything. Do not assume that Lavan is Stam Lavan. You have to say it's Lavan Ben Besuel. This is how you're going to have to speak now that you're going out into Paden Aram. Lavan Ben Besuel. Which Lavan Ben Besuel? Harami. Which Harami? He is the sister of Rivka, the mother of Yaakov. That's, so, that's too much information. TMI. Not, to, not TMI. Not when it comes to Aramai. It's never too much information. You always have to make sure that every single thing that could potentially be misunderstood or, or intentionally misunderstood is avoided. And even though, says Rashi, he said Rachel Bitchatano, which seems like he, he made it a watertight statement that any lawyer would not be able to, to find any Sunshine between any of those words. Still, he was able to ram him. Still, he says, "Not only Nasa came him Kaimeno, he gives him Leon, and he says, "That's not the way we do things around here. We don't give the younger one before the older one." Too bad. I know you said Rachabitchaktana, but that ain't the way it's going to go down here. He was still able to fool him, even with all of the clarity that he gave. He was still able to fool him. And I think that that might be a, a good pshat in this Pasuk that Rashi asks us to offer our suggestions. I think that might be a good pshat. Why all? Because it's, this is exactly the time that Yaakov was, was changing from the Ishtam, the person who was not able to mirama anything. And all of a sudden he becomes an Achav Ramas, he's able to be on par with Olavan. When did that happen? It happened in this Pasuk. When Yaakov was being told by Yitzchak exactly, Rachel Bitchak Tano, who to go to, who, she, who he is, brother, mother. You have to do this when you're in Padan Aram. That's the way you have to deal with things. You have to, you can't assume that people understand what you're saying just merely by being Miramis to something or by saying things in a simple way. There's nothing simple. You have to spell everything out and then make sure that everything is crystal clear because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. I want to use this, you said, to tell you 
Tala Talmidim, a very important lesson for life. And you heard it here first, maybe, but it's something that if you listen to what I'm saying, you will be grateful to me someday. Not today, but someday when you leave the base Madrash and you go out into the world, whatever field you're in, it doesn't really matter. Whatever you're doing, whether you're staying in Chinuch or Kailal or, you know, or you're going into business or a profession or whatever, this lesson that I am teaching you today, the lesson that Yitzchak taught Yaakov is something that is priceless. It's absolutely imperative and priceless. Like I said before, in yeshivas, we are not at all exposed, Baruch Hashem, to, or we shouldn't be, hopefully, to people that are very, very questionable character. Everyone around us, hopefully, our roommates and our chavrusas and our, the, the people that we're in class with and shear with, they're yeshiva bachrim. They know that there's a shulchan aruch. They know there's an ebishta shivisa shulnegdi samid. They're careful with what they say. A yes is a yes. And a no is a no. A handshake is a handshake. An agreement is an agreement. And if somebody says that, you know, he's going to do something, he's going to do something. If you sell something to somebody then that person uh, can be expected to actually uh, carry through with the sale. If, you're gonna, if he says he'll sell you his house or his car or his, you know, his notebook, his used textbook, that's a word is a word. That's the way we are as B'nai Taira. There are exceptions, of course. There always are exceptions. But we're not exposed too much, hopefully, to people that are Ramayim. But there is a day that you go out, even if you're staying in Kail the rest of your life, there's a day that you're going to be looking for a house in Mirza Hashem, or renting an apartment, or buying a car, or uh, doing something. You're going to do something, you're going to buy something, you're going to... And there will be people that are not on the same level of ethics, the same standard that we as B'nai Taira have. They're not following the Shulchan Aruch, and it's hard for us to understand how people could be conniving and devious, and don't you also believe that your word is, means something? And unfortunately, very often in life, it's just a game. It's just, if I could get away with being underhanded, and you can't sue me for whatever reason, and, or the contract was ambiguous, and even though there was an understanding of, the, of what the intention was, but if there was a mistake in the contract, if there was a missing comma, or there was a missing period, or there was a missing word, and that person with his fancy lawyers would be able to, to say that, you know, it doesn't really, it's, the contract is, is not exactly clear, and therefore the sale is bottle, or the sale is chow, they will do that. And even though you're going to say, what are you talking about? We had a deal. In the ki- Rachel Bitcha Haktano. I have a friend who his, one of his parents, she was a partner in a business and, and it was a very successful business. She was a partner with a man, with, a, with somebody else. And they were friends, they, you know, they, they lived in the same community, they're, they're, both their families were extremely close. There was no contract between them about the business, about the ownership, who owns it, who, what percentage partnership was, and maybe you are a partner, maybe not a partner, but there was an understanding. We, they, I think they opened it up together and they were partners and... Uh, and this is how it went for many, many years. They were building up the business. They put in their kaychas and their... One day, the other guy just basically said, L'chaim L'shom, you're out. And this person said, well, what, what, what do you mean I'm out? We're partners. He says, we're not partners. What do you mean not partners? Of course we're partners. We've been doing this together. Show me a contract that we're partners. She didn't have a contract. They never wrote up a contract. It was like an understood thing. We're friends. We're, we're, we're starting the business together. Now, the corporation was in his name. 
and all of the documents were in his name. He was, you know, the one. But that wasn't the understanding. The understanding, and maybe even a verbal commitment that took place a decade ago, two decades ago, was that they were partners. And this, I'm not talking about, you know, this is a from guy, quote unquote. Or Schwab always said, you know, be careful when you use that word from. There was a person that was caught in a big scandal and, the, you know, the person, and somebody told Schwab that, uh, you know, he's a from yet. He said, what do you mean? Say that again? Not a from, he's a, maybe he's Jewish genetically, but he's not, he's not, uh, not from. From means religious. It means somebody that's ethical, honest, following a Shulchan Aruch. Don't call him from. It's not from. There are a lot of people. They could be wearing yarmulkes. They could have nice long beards and payas. But they could still be Ramayim. And it's a hard thing for us to understand. But that's the reality. When you start anything... If it's a business, if it's buying a house, if it's buying a, a car, if it's buying a, a whatever, a horse, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. If you're lending money, if you're borrowing money, get it in writing first. Before you do anything, don't say, hey, let's, you want to start a business together? Yeah, let's start a business together. And like you're, you're building a bit. Don't do that. That's the world's biggest mistake. Because what will, it's not maybe it'll happen, it will happen. There will be a day of reckoning. It might be a month from now, it might be a year from now, it might be when the business is now booming. But there will be a day of uncertainty, exactly what, what's the nature of our relationship. We started out as great friends and everything was clear. We were partners. Okay, but part, what does partners mean? Does that mean I have 1%? Does it mean 20%, 50%, 70 What does it mean? It's unclear. Now, the reason why you don't want to write a contract together with the other person is because it's a little bit like insulting, right? Like, what, you don't trust me? We have to write, we're friends. We're, we're, you know, we know each other from day one. Like, you need, you need a contract? To, yes, you do need a contract. Because the contract will ensure that you stay friends. The lack of contract will ensure that you become enemies, chas v'shalom, someday. I had this mice that happened to me. I can't get into all the pratim, obviously. But I had very close friends that I literally played in a sandbox with. Literally. As a child. And we were good friends, a group of us. Good, good friends growing up. Some were school friends, camp friends. But friends that I mamish, you know, were super close like this. And when, at one point in my 20s, so I, I was involved in, 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 in some business interactions with the, with the Shevra, and I didn't get it in writing. I it did not get my, the nature of my involvement with them in writing. But suffice it to say that I was very involved and as a result of my involvement, this chevra made a lot of money. I don't want to get into figures or whatever, but they made a lot of money because of me. But I didn't want to ask them and write it. These are a lifelong friends. I'm not going to start saying a contract like I would with a stranger. And I found out afterwards that, you know, this chevra didn't tell me that, you know, they used my connections that I brokered in order to get involved. I know that I'm sounding very murky. I'm doing that on purpose. But, and as a result of not getting it clearly in writing, I literally lost a lot of money. A lot. A lot of money. And these were people that I trusted. These were people that I was so close with. And I made a very big mistake. It was a mistake that cost me a lot, not just the money. The money is always the least of it. But the trust in people, the loss of friends, the loss of, uh, of being able to believe in society at large that there are honest people out there because if these people could stab you in the back, then anybody can. And it still haunts me to this day 
And so what I'm trying to give over to you, my beloved Talmidim, is just a very simple life lesson, not complicated, and it's such an important lesson that you probably think it's so, either it's not necessary or it's even like, uh, you know, why is he telling us this? And I understand that because as a Bachar in Yeshiva, I also wouldn't understand why, but you will see someday, you will start a business with somebody or you will engage in some venture, large or small, or you will lend money to somebody, a good friend of yours comes to me, you know, I really need, I'm getting evicted from my apartment and I need, you know, can you lend me a thousand dollars? Okay. And this also happened. You, you give somebody a thousand dollars and you don't write a star. You don't write an IOU, a thousand, he's a good friend of mine, he knows, I know. You have to write a star. This is halacha, by the way. You lend somebody even a small amount of money, you're supposed to write a star or give it in front of an aid, aid him. But why do I have to write a star? Because what will, it's not maybe it will happen. What will happen is that the person will not pay you back. And then later on, it's going to be a long time afterwards. And then the facts are going to get a little bit fuzzy. Was it $1,000? I remember it being $100. Was it that I have uh, a year to repay it? I remember it being three years to repay it. Or even worse, I paid you back. And these are, you know, we learn Gemaras about these, about writing a shaver, right, about writing a receipt, and uh, halvais. We spend years in yeshiva learning these things. When, when push comes to shove, when a good friend comes, I just give him the money, and then that's it. And you will see that that is the way to lose friends. My father, Ovashalm, used to say there's an expression that you lend money to friends, and you try to get money back from enemies. You give money, you, you're, you're doing a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah to lend money to somebody. You're supposed to lend money to people in their time of need. But don't just give the money, make sure that there's a star. You don't have to call a lawyer. You take out a piece of paper with a pen and you write, on this and this day, I, Pliny Almighty, lent $1,000 to Pliny Almighty and it should be paid back by Pesach, Tavshin, Pe'alaf. Sign, he signed, you signed, Shalom Yisrael. That's the way to ensure that you'll get paid back, you're not going to have tainus, things will not be forgotten. You have a record of it, it's clear. Now, if you later on Pesach, he can't pay back, he says, can I have an extension? Fine, pull out another piece of paper or pull out that star and say, I am giving him now until Rosh Hashanah, Tavshin, Pe'ez. That's fine also. But everything that you do with another person, whether or not the person is Jewish or not Jewish, from or not from black hat, kipasruga, no yamaka, it doesn't matter. You have to get it in writing. Rachel bitchaktana. Vayelach paden aram elovan ben besuel harami achi rifka aim yakai ve'esav. That's what the Pasuk is calling to be Muhammad, all of us. If you want to avoid problems, it's a little uncomfortable for you to write a star. It looks like you're a, you're a nerd or you don't trust the guy. You're a legal ego and you're trying to, you know, it's fine. That's all fine. It's much better to have a little bit of, of discomfort at this point and get it clear. We're 50-50 partners. We're 70-30 partners. I'm giving you this money. I'm taking my, whatever it is that you're doing, write it down on a piece of paper. Rachel Bitchak Tana. Get it clear. And when things are clear, good fences make good neighbors. If you have a strong fence between the two properties, that's good. That, that's how you ensure good neighbors. If you don't have a good fence between the properties, and now all of a sudden what we thought was the borderline between us was here, and now all of a sudden your neighbor is, uh, you know, is slowly encroaching and being massageable, and you know, all of a sudden now you have machlekes. I know many people, they're neighbors, and they have big machlekes with their neighbor. They don't talk to each other because they put up a, you know, something on the other one's lot. The fence was a, an inch or two on, to the other side, or they built like a cement uh, driveway, and the partition was a little bit. Sounds ridiculous, right? It sounds like you can't. Who does it? People do it all the time. You build a good fence exactly on the property line. No problems. I have. At first, it might be why. why 
putting a fence between us. You don't like me. You don't like to see. I, I love you. I just want to put up a fence right here on the property line, just to make sure that everything is kosher v'yasher. It sounds like, you know, maybe it sounds obvious to you or maybe it's new to you. But this is a something, this is a piece of advice that I'm giving to you that will, if you listen and you remember it, will be so important for you, you don't even know how important it will be because you're sticking to it. So you won't even know the agmas nefesh that you're avoiding by doing so. When people do not do this, when people were not zeichet to hear this vart that I'm telling you about Aim Yaakov the Esav, about Rachel Bitchak Tana, about making things clear when you go to Padena Aram of the world, when you're dealing with Ramayim or potential Ramayim and you have to, believe it or not, look at everybody like a Ramay. It's not to say that you should look at somebody mamish like a Ramay, but you just have to... President Reagan used to have a great expression when he was dealing with Russia, you know, and they were having this, uh, they were trying to figure out how to end the Cold War, and they were both trying to reduce their nuclear weapon capacity. So everybody said to, you know, you can't trust the Russians. You can't trust the Russians, to be honest. They're going to tell you that they, they're getting rid of their weapons, but they're not really getting rid of their weapons. So you're going to get rid of all the United States' weapons, and Russia's going to have all their weapons still aimed at our country. What are you doing? So Reagan said that we're going to send observers to Russia and watch them destroy the missiles. And, and Gorbachev was very offended by this. He said, why, well, you don't trust me? So Reagan coined a phrase that's such a gewaltige musrva. He says, trust, but verify. It's not a stira. I could trust you, but I want to verify it. Now, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's nice. It doesn't seem like then it's not, if you're verifying, no, no, I'm not not trusting you. I'm trusting you implicitly. I just want to verify the facts. That's all. You could do that to me and I'm going to do that to you. Just transparency. Just be very clear. And even then, like, just like Rashi said, you could say, you could still get messed up. And there are countless horror stories of people that wrote everything in contracts and they still were able to figure out a way to, to, to weasel out of what the agreement was. That happens all the time. But at least for your part, you have to assume that there will be problems down the road and I have to deal with them today before anything happens. And this is when you're dealing with Inyanim of Chayel, when you're dealing with inyanim ruchniyim, whatever it is, anything that you're doing in life that could potentially later on in life become confused and unclear because of the passage of time, maybe you know somebody's not going to even be in this world anymore, and then you're going to assume that their children know what the what what, what the parents' agreements were. That never happens. But no, no one can fight with a star. If you have a piece of paper with a signature on it, a verifiable certified signature that this is what the person agreed to, hopefully that will, that will work. But you need at least that. You need at least to do your ishtadlis to make sure that as much as an ishtam you are, and it's good to be an ishtam, it's a beautiful thing to be an ishtam, to be not a ramay and to be not thinking in this way and to be so suspicious of people, to be chayshid people, and that's not a good thing. It's best, it's beautiful to be in yeshiva and to be amongst Bnei Taira that you could trust and, and believe in and assume, and, and it's, this is a beautiful world, but this is not the world at large, unfortunately. This is a, an exception to the rule. The ishtam yeshiva halam that exists in the base Medrash, unfortunately, does not exist outside of the base Medrash. And so when you walk out the doors, you have to make sure to be honest yourself also. Stay yourself in Ishtam. Make sure that your word is always a word, no matter where you are and, and what you're doing. But as far as other people are concerned, I could be mechabed you, but I still have to be chayshed that maybe, you know, 
because of not because you're necessarily devious, but maybe with time you're gonna your memory starts slipping, and we know this happens. I don't remember if I borrowed a dollar from that guy, or was it five dollars, was it a quarter, or a nickel? I don't remember, and I just you know no one remembers. A star always remembers. Writing something down clearly is the best way of always remembering because it not, it, unless you lose the star, you have a, a document. And a document makes sure that machlekes is averted. It's the lack of that document. It's when you wanted to stay friends and you didn't want to bring up you know, the, 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 the elephant in the room about what exactly is the nature of our relationship? What is this as a partnership? Are you working for me? Are we partners? Are we uh, employer? What are we? Well, get that in writing. Make it clear. But it's uncomfortable, Rabbi. I don't, it's a lot more uncomfortable being involved in a dintaira or, or a lawsuit in 10 years from now than it is getting the guy to write a star today. Even on a simple thing, by the way. This isn't talking about if you're starting Microsoft. This is talking about if you're, if you're op- starting something very small, a little Amazon business with a friend. Or uh, you know, you're, you're going into a sarum binding or whatever it is. Just write out a star. We are 50-50 partners in the business. That's it. Have both signs. End of the story. Put it in your drawer and you don't think about it. Rachel Bitcha Haktana. Achi Rivka Aim Yaakeva Esav. This was the transition from an Ishtam to the world of Padana Ram, to the person that was not a Ramai, to the person that could honestly say, Ochevani Brahmas, I got an education, I got schooled in how to deal with a Lavan. And I believe, like I said, that this first pasuk that Rashi says, is the schooling of Yaakov, so that when he went to Baden Aram, he was able to deal appropriately with somebody like a lovin'. Have a wonderful Shabbos.